Hi, I'm Forrest Griffin. Brian Carraway. And Lisa Tate. What's up, guys? This is Joseph Benavidez, UFC Flyweight. Hi, this is Greg Jackson, and you're listening to It's MMA Zing, and that is an amazing pun. Get it? Like MMA, but amazing? I'm amazing. Radio. Welcome to It's Amazing Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Law. Got Kid Presentable here with us. How y'all doing? Got DJ Mark here with us. What's up? And if he wasn't drunk at a baseball game, you guys would be hearing the dulcet tones of Lavender Gooms, who was just with us a minute ago. Completely uh, accurate statement. We talked to him at the baseball game. Yeah, drunk at a baseball game. Uh, you guys ever watch Japanese baseball games? I truly love them compared to like American baseball not extensively like I think I've seen clips but not like I've watched a complete inning play out but they I'm interested have, they have so many songs and chants yes and like the culture is that you cheer your team you don't boo the other team so so happy it's very vibrant and my favorite thing about Japanese baseball is they practice the mercy rule and you get a big lead this game's over we're done here we're not gonna make you stay to the end <laughs> we're gonna I love that rule <laughs> Um, we, uh, by the way, I- I've kind of taken over the It's I'm Amazing Instagram account. Well, because Good. nobody else was, nobody was doing yeah. anything with it. And I feel if Mike was here though, Mike would, Mike would definitely be the guy to chime in that about, uh, all the Brian Ortega and Claudia Gadelia having sex with each other jokes on Instagram, because that's, that's right in, uh, right in Mike's wheelhouse. And I feel like I'd at least contribute and say, yeah, I saw that. Uh, I'm not privy to this meme. Is 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 there any more description needed than what you just said? I think she said she'd be willing to date Brian Ortega, and then they took a picture together, and then uh, she took a then she put a picture up the next day, and he commented, "You look tired," and then everybody was just like, "Oh, T City." That's Jeez. not that's not a good not a good compliment there. Yeah, I, mean, I was gonna say. Hopefully, <laughs> there's an inside joke there because he's uh, he's no, ruining his chance. She's she's tired from all the sex. I think was the implication. Well, I, I, that's what I would assume. But if they did not, you know, commit the act, it's just a very rude thing to say to it a is. beautiful woman. So yeah. you have to you have to you have to assume he's more tactile than that, or he and, needs to spruce up his dating game more than his fight game. And I definitely am still a child because someone's comment when they had a picture together it just said, she wants that D-City. I'm like, yep. That oh, made yeah. me laugh. No that- mistaken. The whole, your whole scenario you described is extremely high school. Oh, yeah, no. The D-City joke made me laugh, though. That made me laugh a little it's bit. Uh, yeah, okay. We're going to talk about UFC 227 where, um, as I put it as last week, the most unbeatable champion the UFC has Got Oops. beat, got fucking beat, and uh, and then shout out for Henry Cejudo just putting his nuts on the table. Man won a razor close split decision over the greatest champion the UFC's ever had, and like an arguable win in itself. You know, close fight, and immediately. Before we, um, before we go further, can I just mention one of the greatest tragedies of my UFC fandom lifetime is that when DJ's reign snapped. It came off the heels of him coming out to Guile's theme music. Oh, yeah. That was good stuff, too. Oh, yeah. my God. I, I was watching it after the fact, and I was trying to maintain radio silence, and I was basically watching the card around 3 a.m., and I got one of those uh, neighborly through the walls, bump, bump, you're being too loud, because at 3 a.m., I, I think I jumped up and screamed, holy fucking shit, it's Guile's theme song. And 
people trying to sleep. But that was such a that was such an amazing moment because even before this card started, I just kind of had a random moment where like, what's DJ's walkout song? You know, there's certain songs they have a recurring walkout song that you do. Like when um, TJ came out to Red Hot Chili Peppers, I know he comes out to Red Hot Chili Peppers. DJ, I didn't associate a song with him. So right as I'm wondering what's about to happen, I start hearing that music. And oh, man, the fact that he it's like when Connor changed his music. You just can't you just can't go to a certain level with theme music or the uh, gods will humble you, I guess. Yeah, and uh, it was actually like he got a big pop from that crowd. They were happy to see him. And uh, he goes out there and has actually a really good fight. Like, it was a fight of the night. Um, we're gonna, we're talking about this fight first because, quite frankly, it's a bigger deal than what happened in the main event. Um, Demetrius Johnson. Uh, there we go. It was a very close fight. Um, Demetrius won round one. Cejudo won round two. Demetrius won round three. Cejudo won round four. The fifth round, when it was over, Mark, I think I said, I think Demetrius, but I don't know. And you said, I don't know, period. Right? I mean, it was razor close. Yeah, it was close. I mean, I I think looking back on it, I, I do think Henry kind of stole it at the end. I think he was a little bit more aggressive and he threw a little bit more. But obviously, I mean, the real story is just that Henry got those takedowns and he was able to completely ground um, DJ. And part of the criticism that I've always had with DJ is that even when he's at his most dominant um, he's controlling instead of damaging, right? Like he's con controlling the pace, he's dictating the pace and where the, f the fight's being uh, fought, but he's not controlling damage. He's not really damaging his opponents too often, except for these times where he finishes guys like he finished Cejudo and uh, Joseph Benavidez. But in this case, you know, when you have a fighter that can s steal rounds away from you from grounding you out, it becomes a really more competitive fight. And I think, uh, like was talked on the broadcast channel, I think after work, I mean, this is probably the most entertaining flyweight fight but really just because of how competitive it was uh, for DJ, who was never really, I mean, maybe lost a few rounds against uh, Tim and Dodson, but as a yeah. guy that pretty much dictates every round. So it it's easily the best flyweight fight, but not for the reasons of a uh, Rory McDonald-Lawler fight, right? It wasn't these guys just pounding each other to a bloody pulp. It was more tactical. There's a great storyline going through where Sakudo looked like he rolled his ankle really fucking bad. It seemed like that fight was going to be over in the first three minutes because his he was cranking up his ankle and just stepping on it in all the most like horrible ways. But he fought through it, and he got the takedowns, and he stole it from uh, DJ. So um, super commendable on both ends. And, you know, I'm interested to see where DJ is going to go from here if this yeah. is going to change his style. But really cool. Well, yeah, we had Cejudo, tough as nails, man, him fighting through that for five rounds. And then Demetrius... Um, Definitely broke his foot. Um, he says LCL, he, he says he th he thinks he tore he broke his foot and tore his ACL LCL. I can tell you, it broke his foot because his foot blew up the size of a softball. Real gross. Um, so props to him for pushing through. Fight was over, and um, everybody's talking about like how classy Demetrius was because Demetrius had no excuses. Just he beat me. Always, always a class act, that guy. Yeah, and he just said he beat me. And it wasn't like he was like, oh, I lost because of this or that. He was just, they're like, how are you feeling? He's like, I think, because he was limp. He limped on uh, out to the press conference. He's like, I think I broke my foot. And, uh, you know, just both guys, just, it was a very good performance. And um, when it was over, Cejudo uh, just said, I want to fight TJ Dillashaw at 135 pounds for a title. And Stefan, as I mentioned, the balls to be like, yeah, man, we're one and one. Me and the greatest fighter this division's ever known, the greatest champion the UFC's ever seen, and I barely won this fight. But you know what? We're no immediate rematch. Let's go after the uh, the super fight. Uh, 
that made me laugh a little bit. Um, your thoughts on that, and also, if Demetrius Johnson doesn't get an immediate title shot, is any champion ever going to be able to justify getting an immediate title shot ever again? <laughs> well, that's that's the whole that's the whole thing, right? Is yeah, you love a fighter who shoots his own shot, right? We always want people to use this time that they're given. Um, the people who are like you know whatever the UFC wants, they don't really get moved ahead in line, right? You know the uh, the squeaky wheel and all those adages. Um, so that's the thing is, you know, we appreciate that he did it, but I think I think most reasonable people have to mention what you just did is if there was ever a time to do an immediate rematch, it is a very clo- razor close split decision fight against the longest reigning champion ever. You know, entirely. This is DJ's thing because DJ cleaned out that division, so this is the one last thing for him to do in this division for the most part is to just, you know, see if he can run it back. And I have no reason to believe he can't, you know, um, that was kind of the performance of a lifetime from Cejudo. So yeah, you, you appreciate that he did it, but you know, TJ, when he was initially asked about it, he was all like, yeah, you know, we'll do ever. But then like a minute later, he's like, yeah, but Henry hasn't really earned a super fight. I mean, Henry's on a three fight winning streak now, including that one. And, uh, we'll see how it goes. Um, just, I want to point this out that this came from MMA history today. Uh, good, really good Twitter account. You guys want to check it out. So the la- so um, what's happened since uh, when Demetrius Johnson won the title, um, at that time, Anderson Silva, John Jones, and GSP were all UFC champions. Women still had not competed in the UFC. And Conor McGregor was still on welfare. So that's how long this man was champion. And I think it was 11 title defenses, right? Which is just... I think so. Money. I don't remember if it was eleven or twelve. It was so many. It most. was so many. Yeah, it was so many. And I'm, I'm a, I love Demetrius Johnson. I'm so impressed with him. And yeah, he. If anybody's gonna get an immediate rematch, it's him. Unless like he's really hurt, and you know, they really want to squeeze a fight in here in the middle um, for Cejudo. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Um, main event. Um, Marcus, do you feel in the main event we got the first fight except? Uh, like shorter, like we kind of had the same things kind of happen. Like TJ gets tagged. Maybe he didn't get dropped this time. TJ gets tagged. Cody starts going in, and then Cody gets caught with the same fucking punch as before, right? Yeah, I mean this was classic. Uh, showed up to the final, did not do my homework. I'm gonna try to make the best of it because I mean one of the criticisms I uh, gave to Cody and Team Alpha Male as a whole when we were picking this fight, and it was something that. Cody could have won this fight, and my looking at them watching the tape wouldn't mean nothing. You know, it could just be them hyping themselves up. But I think seeing how this fight played out, I feel more justified in the coaching staff not really analyzing what TJ did well in that first fight and then teaching Cody how to counteract that. They obviously didn't because TJ was throwing right hooks all day long. Obviously, that fucker trained that shit. He's like, oh, this guy's weak against my right hook. If I can get these off when he's throwing his, get him in transition on a strong counter, I got this fight made. Unless Cody changes something, he didn't change anything. He ate the same punt. He literally, it was the same exchanges where they, they're sitting in the pocket, and you can tell TJ's waiting for him to load up that right hand, and he shoots his out first, and he hit him with it like three times. It was the exact same fucking punch. And it just reminds me of Boss Rutten back in his early pancreas days he said you know early in my fights i got armbarred i went back to the gym and i trained fucking armbars i'm never getting armbarred ever again cody didn't have that mentality his coaching staff did not have that mentality he, he, i got the impression also like he's did this in the first fight too where he like 
he's such a killer himself, and he's been able to put everybody away. But he's almost like he's almost like he thinks TJ is more hurt than TJ is. And I've come out of this thinking TJ Dillashaw's chin is not only very good because you know how good Cody Garbrandt hits, how hard he hits. But I'm also come out of this thinking John Dodson has fucking sledgehammers in his fists because that man knocked TJ Dillashaw out, and he's way smaller than Cody Garbrandt. So yeah, it's. It was a hell of a performance. What I want to get to here, because we're kind of moving along briskly here, is Stefan, we talked about it before the show. They are really big on talking about how TJ Dillashaw is the greatest bantamweight champion or bantamweight of all time. And um, I immediately was like, well, no, I don't think he is. And I don't think I'm alone in that opinion. Uh, what do you think of that, Steph? Um, oh, honestly, we were, we were talking about it. I don't have strong feelings. I get that you think it's Dominic Cruz. I fully understand the argument that it's TJ Dillashaw because Dominic Cruz, he was inactive. His reign is so long due to inactivity. It took them a long time to strip him. In this day and age, you can be healthy for your next fight and still an interim title gets made. But in this time, we wondered for a long time. And then if you want to go to who did who are the names that Dominic beat along his reign and what their status was at the time he beat them. Hayden Burrell, uh at the time TJ won is a bigger feather than anything Dominic has. I think, you know, like who was his grand victory? It was kind of a boring, unestablished division. I, I, it, it could be recency bias, but I think it's totally fair to say. And then also just the transitive effect is, uh, Cody Garbrandt made Dominic Cruz look like a fool. He made Dominic look like a goddamn fool. I don't know why Mike is joining in the podcast unmuted while I'm making a point right now. Well, you should uh, you should actually read the uh, Google Hangout from time to time because I was talking on there. And uh, by yeah, the way, we'd be okay to join on. I said join, but don't come in like a fucking bull in the china shop. My man here is making a good point about TJ Dillashaw. <laughs> I have to hold on. My bad. Let me mute. <laughs> good job mike yeah way to go uh mike would you like to chime in with the on uh your on assignment report you said you have for us not right now because the band is played oh jesus christ all right <laughs> okay um, i guess if i can uh retrace where i was you know Co cody garbrandt made dominic look embarrassed he made dominic look like maybe he's done and yeah so he beat Cody, the guy who beat Dominic, in a dominating fashion, whereas Dominic won a semi-controversial decision over TJ. Again, more of a close fight a la Henry DJ than necessarily controversial. So by those transitive things, you know, Dominic's on the downside. TJ's just been getting better and better. So I don't think it's unfair to say that he's the best ever either. I think it's Dominic because they fought and it was fairly recent and between that and the I know the length of the reign a lot of it is aided by injury but overall number of defenses and stuff we'll see I mean hey he's gonna be he, if he beats Dominic he'll definitely probably he'll probably get the credit for that um poor fucking Rafael Asansa what does he have to do to get a goddamn title shot guys like what does he have to do all right he just asked very respectfully I keep winning I want a title shot and hell he beat the champion Remember? Well, in, in this case, I think the answer is if it's Dominic next, the answer for him is stay healthy. Wait for Dominic's body to continue. Oh, it's, it, it, they'll give that to Marlon Moraes over him. Oh, Sunsau's never getting a title shot. He's they're going to keep getting him killers to fight. Um, 
Man, they gave Cup Swanson a guy prospect to fight. And uh, Cup Swanson had a rough night, folks. Real rough night. He ate a jab. And then Cub ended up on the ground with a guy who's, I think they said was a jiu-jitsu world champion, maybe, um, or a very, very good grappler. A man whose only loss is to Brian T. City Ortega, which we've pointed out he was winning every minute of the fight until he got caught in a uh, guillotine in the third round. And up to Moicano, man. Went out there and took care of business, and that's exactly what he needed to do, Steph. He needed to do, Steph. Get a name on that, uh, on that resume. I mean, he, he dropped a man with a jab. Anytime that happens, you got to take notice of those fighters. <laughs> so, yeah, it's he's a uh, he, he he's not especially flashy. He's kind of your traditional Brazilian fighter, right? He's got good Muay Thai stand up. He's a competent and knowledgeable grappler. Um, nothing especially stands out about him, but he is just good. And um, Marcus, Tiago Santos, and Kevin Holland. Uh, everybody's talking about the fight. Not so much because of how good Kevin Holland is, but just at the amount of shit he talked while getting punched in the face. Yeah, obviously, um, he bit off a lot more than he could chew in his first UFC fight. This is one of the guys coming off of uh, Dana White's Tuesday night fights, right? And uh, there's been some good prospects out of there, but he just wasn't ready for the just the the solid muscle that Tiago Santos had for him. I mean, Kevin... Uh, Holland, he he's one of those very kind of unorthodox, loosey-goosey when he's in there. He's kind of throwing punches, kind of weird, and he, he's throwing kicks off the ground. He does a lot of unusual things, and when you're fighting less experienced fighters, you can catch them with that kind of stuff. But when you go up against a Tiago Santos, like, this dude's seen it all. The dude is just hard steel, and that's what he gave Kevin. He just He wasn't falling for the little tricks. He wasn't biting on his weird feints. He just went in there and just and just took care of business, you know. And a guy that's ranked 13 in a really stacked division like middleweight, that's what you kind of expect him to do with a guy like uh, Kevin Holland, who just doesn't have the experience and definitely needs to kind of sharpen up the skills. I, I think when you're kind of working in the lower tier amateur esque kind of organizations, being unorthodox can really throw people off. They're not used to seeing different styles. But when you get to the, you know, the higher ranking guys in the UFC, you really have to have a strong skill set that you can fall on. Um, you're you're not gonna be able to catch guys making weird mistakes. Um Tiago Santos didn't make mistakes. He just beat him down for um all the rounds. I guess he lost a round in there. I don't even remember how that one happened. Did you get a point taken away maybe? Yeah, I don't. I thought he was pretty one-sided. Yeah, I don't. I mean, we were, you know, we were watching the fights. We were also conversating, and yeah, seeing that these are thirty-nine twenty-seven, there must have been a point taken away because I didn't see Kevin really put him in any danger at any any point. It was just it was a solid for, uh, performance for uh, Santos, but um, it, it, Kevin will need to fight lesser competition, and he's going to need to improve a lot to kind of get into the conversation of being a ranked fighter in the UFC. Is my uh, assessment. Um, so yeah, we'll see what comes out. It's honestly, it was a two fight card with, we got a bit of Moicano attention on there too. We're not really going to talk about Aldrich and Pollyanna Viana beyond to say, um, they definitely booked this for Pollyanna to win and good on Aldrich to win on getting the job there done there. So as boring as it was, um, by the way, crowd did not for LA, I was expecting worse. There wasn't really a lot of booze. They were pretty, pretty respectful. respectful. Yeah. Speaking of crowds, Mike, how you doing? Um, I didn't watch the card, but you said the crowd was respectful. Were there a lot of decisions on the card? There were some boring-ass fights on the card, yeah. Oh, then it is surprising that they didn't boo. 
Uh, but yeah, to give you the update here, I'm in a hot-ass stadium here in Osaka. It's, uh, it's hotter than the underside of the Devil's Taint, um, to give you a bit of description for uh, how hot it is over here. Um, I'm at the 100th edition of the Summer Koshien. I was here last year, and um, I ended up having to wait like six hours online to get in. So I was pleasantly surprised when I got here at 9.30 and there was like nobody here. So I've been able to watch uh, half of the first game and the second game just started here. And if you're wondering what that band is in the background, each, uh, each high school team has their own specific band that plays when, when they're at that. So right now, um, I know this is a podcast and audio only, but for you gentlemen, the people playing that are in blue, that's their band playing right now. So uh, that's, that's exciting shit, Michael. How many I drinks know. in? How many drinks in are you? I'm only one drink in. I'm not an animal. It's ten thirty in the morning here. All right, you'll be drunk soon enough. Um, you, 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 the wind is killing us, man. Thank you for your on for the for your report, though. All right, I'll All talk right. to you later. I'll see you guys in two weeks. Have later, brother. Have fun, Mike. There you guys, folks. We got got folks. We got you baseball information from that Japan. That was crucial. We that needed was, to have that. Well, yeah, that's what they tell you, man. Said a bunch of Japanese shit that I barely understood, and he already told me he's at a baseball game. I was gonna see if we could get Mike to start interviewing random people around him, but I, I just seemed like it was gonna be mean for everybody involved. We don't. I mean, that was kind of my thought. Is like everyone who kept peeking over his shoulder into his camera. They're like, "The hell is this guy still talking to nobody for?" There's a baseball <laughs> game going on. Who's this guy just constantly talking to? Uh it's like the person who goes to the game and has an iPad. You're like, pay attention, man. Pay attention to the game. Um, UFC's back in two weeks. Um, with uh, or three weeks. Um, Justin Gaethje versus James Vick. Uh, I like this card quite a bit, actually. Got some good stuff on it. Courtney Casey, Angela Hill, Michael Johnson, uh, Andre Touchy Feely. Got Jake Ellenberger somehow still fighting, taking on Brian Barbarina. Warley Alves, James Krause, that's another good one. Ronnie Yaya's on there with Luke Sanders. Oh, Joanne Calderwood having a fight. Mickey Gall, return of Mickey Gall. So there's some stuff going on on this card, which is uh, in Lincoln, Nebraska. Sure. It's like that Boise <laughs> card. Why Why does the random Midwest city get the all-action fighter cards? Yeah, well, they want people to come back. Um... All right, um, let's talk about some news that happened this week. And the biggest news you're going to get is that in eight weeks, we're going to see the return of the former lightweight champ, former lightweight and former featherweight champ of the world. Conor McGregor is coming back to take on Khabib Nurmagomedov uh, October 9th at uh, the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. And uh, if you guys, you know, Dana was talking, it's the worst thing that's ever happened in the UFC when Conor threw that fucking dolly at a bus. And let me tell you, when that commercial started, there was that fucking dolly going towards that bus. So, you know, you got to, you know, a promoter. He's not, yeah, exactly. you know, no, no shame. You know what I mean? Like, hey, man, lemonade, lemons. You got it. You know, <laughs> you do what you got to do. Mark, chicken salad, chicken shit. You know, <laughs> Mark, you'll get this reference. But after watching that initial promo to kind of launch this fight, uh, did you did you not meet it with the uh, with a generic thud? Like. I was like, that's really the best they got? Like, I remember the Aldo, the things. Like, Connor has been a gift for promotional material, and that's really the best they came up with? That's They're doing no world tour either. Like, it's just, it's it's so quick. 
They're and fighting in two that, But that ad, like that's really all they could put together? Give me heads exploding again. There, there was no pizzazz in that ad campaign. I still think, I, lo- I think my favorite one was still the uh, one with Jake Shields and uh, GSP. Yeah. Where they were crumbling the pictures of all the welterweights they'd beaten along the way. I like that one, me personally. That was, I, that was a good one. I liked uh, when they kept using ruler measurements to say Alexander Gustafson is long. Don't you understand? He's long. He's going to challenge John Jones. That's and why it, he could. And it worked <laughs> because it, it was a stupid ad campaign, but then it actually ended up being the tail of the tape. Uh, there was that one where it just zoomed in on Shogun's unibrow. And it was slowly panning out. I forgot. Was that against Machida or something? It might have been Jones. I don't know. That one That one stuck out too. Um, so, yeah, we're going to have um, – Connor and Khabib gonna have plenty of time to talk about this fight. Um, Khabib uh, and Connor, neither of them were there, so that was they had one of those big quarterly press conferences where they made all these fighters come and square off, and then they all had to stare at a video camera while Dana White filleted uh, Connor McGregor. Um, not all of them waited for that uh, air though. One of them got up and left at the very beginning of that video, starting to play, and that's um, Nathan Diaz. Who's also coming back, folks? Nate Diaz is taking on um, Dustin Poirier, or at least he is for now. Allegedly, uh, allegedly, I <laughs> think Dustin Poirier in Madison Square Garden um, sometime in November. I'm gonna put this out there right now. I think they should book Nate and Poirier as the main event, and here's why: I want that fight to be five rounds. I feel it is a disservice to everybody involved. Well, maybe not the two guys fighting, but the rest of us. That shit needs to be five rounds, right? I'm like, I can't be alone here. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I think my first gut reaction was like, oh, it must be the main event. They're advertising it, right? Like, I don't think they had a showdown for whoever else is. I mean, they don't have a champion yet. They don't have a fight for title fight. They're going to put a random title fight in front of it and like. I mean, I think the smartest move, Bob, I think I would agree with you. You already know the championship fights have to be five rounds. But would they would they slot a non-title fight as the main event for a pay-per-view when there's also a title? It kind of spits in the face of their little weird hierarchy of what gets main billing and not. It's like yeah, when there's an exception, man, to that rule. you get billed over a woman most of the time. I don't. It has Ronda ever? Did she ever a pay-per-view over like Demetrius? Because she might have. Yeah, she did. So there's a weird. I, no, I think she, she also main evented over another one. I think another 135 pound fight, maybe. Right, but like the less, you know, the other women's divisions that don't pull the numbers, you know, don't usually go before men, and it's usually the heavier the weight class goes before. Well, I, I don't think that's even a thing anymore as much as I think they just like, what's the best title, the best title fight, like the best right, buzz we got. Right, and I mean, I agree with you in this instance, like that fight, regardless of what championship fights are underneath it, I'm more interested in the Diaz fight, so you might as well make it the main event to get the five rounds. Well, I don't think, Steph, I don't think they can, um, they're not going to book somebody else on this card that's a bigger star than Nate Diaz. Right? I mean, what are they going to come up with? I mean, probably not. Honestly, I was actually mistaken when I first saw it. I thought this was launching as the co-main of Connor and Khabib because that made so much sense that to me. That would be cool, too. That with yeah. a potential injury abound, you had the I was just gonna say, stuff contender right there on the card. It's just insurance. If Not, not yeah. only are they fun fights, but it's really just insurance for when Habib can't make it. You slot in Nate. If Nate gets hurt, you slot in Dustin. I mean, you're kind of you're saving Covered. yourself a little Covered bit. Because I, I thought that's what... Because ultimately when you showed me the thing that like Nate is... Where he was like, uh, I'm not doing that show, F the UFC. Like, I thought it's because he would have wanted to have been on the Connor card. 
That was how I read it. I mean, and ultimately, I guess, was like, he's like, I'm not going to sit here and have them promote only Connor. I think it's the thing. He said they got to promote me, which they're going to have to because he's the biggest star on that card. So they might want to try to sell some pay-per-views. I don't know what they're going to do. I mean, Nate, Nate's, Nate's like the, 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 the biggest stars in that company. It's like Connor and like, I don't even know who, who else right now. I mean, I, I I didn't see the press conference. I only heard about it afterwards. But it always it just reeked to me that like this this whole thing was just like, pushed together real fast like it didn't seem like it didn't seem like nate was really on board it didn't seem like dustin was really on board it was weird that the habib connor fight seemingly just kind of came out of nowhere um because usually we get inklings and maybe it's because um ariel's at espn and i'm not watching espn but usually he kind of gets the whiff of this stuff early well, he's been he's been talking about it for a couple of weeks so this okay maybe that's why i haven't because yeah. it just it just struck me as like i was like whoa what the fuck nate and dustin like that's awesome but i didn't see that coming at all and then oh connor and habib are actually they're actually booking this fight it just seemed like it came out of nowhere at least to me um and i mean kind of like some... not it, it just reeked of more ufc quickly Patching together a lot of cool shit to try to get you excited and not really having things finalized. That's kind of felt feel like. I mean, it. if they told me Nate hasn't signed a fight contract, I'd believe you. Um, yeah, I mean, they gotta get they gotta make that fourth quarter. You know, gotta get that first quarter True. bump. Uh, I like both those fights. Um, and then what else happened this week? Oh, um, Dana White went to the White House with Colby Covington. That shit happened. So. He man, dude, that's something like he manifested that shit. So there you go. He met the president. The only person that wants to. So the only hey, person that wants carpet, to, baby. Yeah, good for him. So weird because they've already publicly announced their intention to strip him because he's not getting the next. That title is also fight. very weird. Yet they just went through with it. That's the part that stuck with me. It was like it was like three days after I read like, well, Till's got the next shot and they're going to strip him of this interim title. And then there he was posing with it. And I'm like, the hell is going on? Like <laughs> fake title, fake president. What then he it? went, then he went to like uh, Monday night raw, still wearing his fucking uh, MAGA hat, taking pictures with all the, you know, with like Rhonda. He took a picture with, uh, uh, Jinder Mahal, who is it is Indian, it's Canadian and Indian. I don't know. I'm just saying, like, surprise people want to take a picture with this prick, but here we are. Um, and then Marcus Bellator put that tournament seedings out finally, huh? Hey, if For there's one thing Coker's good at is putting together a pretty decent tournament that may fall apart before it all comes together. Well, well let's uh, let's go through them here. So we learned that all the fights are going to be five rounds. Um, awesome. And then um, the one of the fights, which we're pro we're going to see, assuming we go to this card still. Andre Koreshkov and Douglas Lima, who I want to say they've probably fought two or three times at this point. The fights are always good, though. There's some goddamn killers in that uh, between those two. And then also on that side of the bracket, uh, Michael Venom Page and Paul Daly, which will not take five rounds. That won't take five rounds at all. Um, Stefan, the other side of the bracket, what do we got? We got uh, we got Ed Ruth in there, right? Ed Ruth versus Neiman Gracie. Yeah, that's... Uh, Number one and, contender match. Yeah, because on the other, then in the bottom right hand corner of your bracket, the def the reigning defending, and defending is the key word here. Welterweight champion of the world, Rory McDonald, is going to face uh, old man John Fitch. Is it not weird to you that based on the fights on the other side of this bracket that they're not the next number one contenders? Like I, th I think in their heads they're like, we need our, we need one of those four people to be the end of this tournament with Rory McDonald. 
Yeah, I think uh, Rory's kind of got the high seed, right? So he's going to fight through lesser competition to get to the fight. He has like an easier road, right? Isn't that how NCAA kind of works? I think they're kind of going for something similar. Yeah, exactly. Like Bobby said, you stack the other side of the card with guys that, I mean, I don't want to be disrespectful to the other people in the bracket, but these guys probably are a little bit more deserving of maybe a title shot than John Fitch and the Ed Roots and uh, Gracie. Even though, I mean, uh, Ed Ruth and Gracie both are undefeated. They just haven't faced the level of competition that the other side of the bracket has. And I think they are trying to wager that Rory's going to make in the finals and they want the other side of that tournament to have someone that is going to be able to make an exciting fight, uh, have some kind of a draw value to kind of, you know, build up. Little the do any of you know that this is a Scott Coker tournament, as Mark mentioned, John Fitch is going to snuff all of them out. He's going to hold each and every one of these guys down. They're not booing John Fitch either. They're not booing John Fitch either, right? They're booing his opponents for not being able to get up from John Fitch's takedowns. That's how he saw it, and that's a story he's sticking to. You know what? He's this many fights into his career. You kind of have to lie to yourself, right? I mean, you just like people just don't like you at that point. You got to deal with that emotion. I mean, it's a good justification is like, I'm not boring. They're boring. Why isn't he doing anything? Why is he letting me lay on him the whole fight? He should do something. Um. So, um, I think that's what we got going on. To be honest, um. They announced a bunch of fights. None of them were really new. Um, they've faced off Valentina Shevchenko and Nico Montoya or Montoya. And I know I know I'm the guy who said Demetrius Johnson's unbeatable, but I looked at that matchup and I'm like, oh my god, like a, a man, uh, like Valentina's gonna kill her. That shit is not gonna be. That is gonna be. I don't think we're gonna see a champion be this big of an underdog in a title defense. No, but I'm going to wave uh, Nico's banner a little bit anyways, just because I am the only one who watched that whole season that she won her belt on. That's fair. Uh, um, and I liked her from the beginning. And, you know, again, it might it just might be her mentality that she needs to talk to herself, like talk herself into it. But I think you have to give it some credit because it did come true. She won this tournament. She wasn't supposed to win. She won this tournament as like a number 13 seed. She was supposed to be fodder from the very start. Everyone she beat was a more established name, veteran, and presence than her. I mean, her skill set is partially that she's tough as hell. She will not be taken down easy. You won't put her away with strikes easy. So, you know, if if she should surprise, you shouldn't be surprised in the sense of this has been her whole story in the first place. Is this upward hell of no one? Not only does no one believe in you, they don't even know who you are. No yeah. one knew who she was going into this. And she... She pretty thoroughly beat everyone. There were no controversial decisions. Like, everyone she beat, she definitely beat. So, um, I like Nico. She's kind of gotten a bad rap being this, like, ducking champion. But um, I like her, and I hope other people will appreciate, like, all the qualities that I thought she came off good and on the show. Um, anybody want to make a guess for how big of a favorite Valentina Shevchenko is? I'll go Let's minus see. 850. Mark? Minus 5. Yeah, it's minus 850. Oh, I guess Stefan has a line in front of him. I was going to say, yeah. Jesus Christ, yeah. I was um, guessing it's going to be astronomically high, but it won't top 900. Like, honestly, I, I don't I, actually have it in front of me. If I was on the dot, I was just making a leap of faith there. Kudos yeah, you, got to, to you. You, you nailed the five dimes betting line, which is the one I uh, always look at anyway. Um, yeah, I, that's bigger than I thought. I thought minus 400, minus 500, to be honest. But... Like Valentina, said, Valentina only, beat the crap. They don't know who she is, Bobby. That's why this line is astronomical. You know what I mean? Uh, Valentina last fight when she fought that girl who was just out of her depth. 
and just beat her into a bloody pulp. I think everybody that's sticking with everybody, even though that you know not the same person, obviously. But I don't know. I mean, I mean, look, are you, you're gonna you're gonna end up picking Nico. You think? Of course not. I'm I'm smart and I'm in the lead. I don't do that by picking Nico. I'm saying I'm just <laughs> making the argument for her because none of you know who she is. Darren Correct. Till, Darren Till, and Tyron Woodley, uh, pretty close betting line, very close, almost to pick them. Which... I'm gonna go with Till on this one, even though I love Woodley. Because have you listened to Till's trash talk lately? He's kind of smarmy, and I kind of dig it. I just, I don't think, I think, I think if Till wins, he's not, he's not gonna be, he's not gonna be champion at the end of the night, though. Dude's not, he, yeah, dude's not beating the scale, man. Not at all, man. This is, he, he looks so big. Yeah, when they so big, up, it was like that dude's a light heavyweight. <laughs> he like towered. Wood, Woodley Woodley. is big too. Like Woodley is a thick man, and this guy's like he's taller and thicker than Woodley. You're like, oh, okay, this this guy weighs 230 pounds minimum. That's what's happening right here, right now. Um, let's do a real quick history. Um, August first. 2015, last time Ronda Rousey won a cage fight. Nice. Who was that against? That wasn't uh, Davis, right? And it was Young Batch Cohea. Oh, boy. Where that was the one where beforehand they're showing her hit the mitts and everybody was like, oh, no. Like, all of Twitter was like, is everybody else see this? We're letting this happen, huh? We're letting Batch Cohea fight her. And then she knocked her out and made her face plant on a straight out of Compton uh, ad in the middle of the octagon. Told her not to cry. That was some real gangster shit right there. I mean, it convinced all of us that Ronda had knockout power and her hands were good. We so were I mean, all she, fools that night. Better than fucking Mechko has, at least. Um, and then, uh, Stefan, I'm not sure you remember watching that. I feel I watched this with you. I don't know why it's in my head that I did. August 1st, 2010, uh, John Jones versus Vladimir Matyushenko. Put him away with that crucifix in... How long did it take? Do you remember? <laughs> that was so fast. And then he just like unleashed like a flurry of elbows. That's back when uh, this stuff used to still air on Versus. Oh, yeah. Jones was the king of Versus. He broke Brandon Vera's face on Versus. Are you guys muted? Good times. Yeah, well, yeah exactly. I, I didn't really know what to add on to I thought, I thought Steph would add more for the Versus if, uh, conversation. All I right. Mean, I don't know. What happened to Versus? It became NBC Sports or something? Yeah, I think that's NBC Sportsnet now. I don't actually that's not NBC Sportsnet. It's NBC, whatever WSOF used to be on. I mean, Versus was a precursor to what is Fox Sports 1. If it's not UFC, I'm not watching any of your other content. Oh, so. You're not watch the bull riding? <laughs> like, that's... bull riding? It'd be like, it was kind of extreme sports. Like, motocross or it was like the extreme Leonard. sports but not like the popular extreme sports yeah <laughs> um look uh podcast ratings a little bit down the past few weeks has it coincided directly with the addition of 20 questions yeah it has you know what we don't care yeah, we're bringing 20. no way we're Bobby. Doing... that's it's a saving grace we literally three weeks in a row bad ratings <laughs> three weeks in a row. Nothing to do with 20 questions. Nothing at all. We're, people are here just to watch 20 questions. We're doing some 20 questions here. Marcus, if you make it harder, we're just not going to win because I got that on question 19 last time. So I think know. I, I got it. I'm, I'm, I'm picking. I'm trying to pick toughies, you know, and I think what I might do too, maybe a couple of weeks, I'll have it where it's like, this one's a little bit easier. You should really be shooting for ten questions. Uh, can I can I make a question or a, a commentary on the elaboration of this game? Mm. Um, I feel like when we, we you know we've applauded Mark for going obscure, 
I don't feel like we've ever explained to the general listening community who this hell this obscure fighter that Mark chose was. That we is fair. Like, we kind of have vaguely danced around who they were, but we haven't given them an introduction to people who are like, the fuck is Matt Lindley? He's some yeah. old guy, apparently. That's I fat think you learned a lot about Matt Lindley through the 20 questions. You that's learned also all about... You learned 19 factoids about Matt Lindley. You know what I should have asked you? I should have asked you, is, is, uh, is the person... Someone who's accused of being stinky by Quentin Jackson, and you would have had yes, yes, yes. That's who. That's Matt Linlin, smelly man. Matt Linlin has a warehouse of weed. Wasn't that a thing too? Or he was growing weed? I thought that was the referee, Josh. Oh, Josh had the warehouse. I think Matt Linlin was just growing weed. I'm not sure. I think that was his thing. Um, I don't know if it was on his wiki, so it would have been a tough question to answer. Yeah. Um. All right. Let's get into this thing. Um. Stefan, you want to lead us off? Uh, sure. Are they still or currently an active fighter? Uh, no. Mark's already going deep. All right. Uh, when, okay. When uh, he I, do you want to just assume, dude? Because if someone is retired, and no one retires from women's MMA except Misha and Ronda, and those aren't. Oh, it might be Ronda. <laughs> you know, they 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 could oh. be starring in the movie t- Mile Twenty Two. Has this person ever held a championship in a major promotion? You know which ones we're talking about. Okay. I would say in a major promotion, no. Okay. So that means we've got a King of the Cage champion here. That's what I'm thinking here. Rumble on the Rocks, something like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. Um, you go your turn. Are they... Below middleweight. Are they below middleweight? Uh, no. Okay. Is the is the person an American? Uh, yes. What you guys got? Are they a heavyweight? Um. Kind of like last week, they have fought at heavyweight, but you wouldn't consider them a heavyweight fighter. That's five. Has this person fought in the UFC after UFC 100? After 100, no. Okay. You, you getting anywhere with the Bobby? Are you? Are I'm not you even close. I'm not. I'm, I'm not even a little bit close here. Um. I think you guys need to start zoning in. Yeah, so what do we got? We got so far, it's an American. A retired American fighter that didn't hold a a title in a major organization. Uh, Let's say he he had fought in that heavyweight. So they're they're a middle or light heavyweight traditionally. Yeah, he has fought in that heavyweight, but you would not consider him a heavyweight fighter. Has this person competed in pride? Uh, Yes. Okay. So we got a pride vet. Hmm. I have any questions? Yes, but it's just like it's just a straight to just a straight to it guess. Don't want to go to a guess. Guess yeah. kills it. You gotta get well, it. And I, would, you, I, would be, I would shit my pants if Stefan pulled it out at this point with the clues he has. That would be very impressive. Did they fight in shoes? Did they fight in shoes? I'm gonna say no. Oh. I'm eliminating I, I, some American wrestlers, Bobby. That's honestly, I, I, you know, what I realized I should ask this: Has this person competed in the UFC at all? 
Yes. I didn't word that well, though, previously. Okay. What do we got, eight? We're at, uh, that was nine. Nine. Fuck. All right, so they fought in the UFC and Pride, and they didn't compete in shoes, and he hasn't fought in the UFC after UFC 100, and it was a, a somebody who was between 185 and, realistically, 205 pounds. Yeah, sure. I mean, the last part is a little... That has not been determined. Yeah. Now I'm just looking like, does this fucker ever wear his shoes in his fights? I'm not sure. It's not something I take <laughs> great notes in. I'm pretty I, sure. I, this I, I, if, if you, if it was who my head was leaning towards, it was like it was going to be specific wrestlers. Okay. That you do. You well, yeah. Who they were like my head immediately. I'm like, was it Kevin Randleman? Then I'm like, oh, Kevin Randleman was a champion. That's not going to work. Um. Mark might get me on this because a lot of retired fighters are just fading from the obscurity of my memory these days. It's yeah. a tough one. I was looking through and I found this individual. I was like, oh, this is a good one. <laughs> this <laughs> Mark had to research for obscurity here. Well, a lot of times I'm like, I'll, I'll think of one person and I'm like, that, that guy might be a little too easy. And I look through the record and I'm like, oh, wait, but that guy's pretty tough. And I look is the person record. a light heavyweight? What's that? Is he a light heavyweight? Um. I, I, again, he's fought at light heavyweight, but I don't. Think when I say that, has he has he fought the majority of his fights at light heavyweight? No. Okay. It's damn middleweight. Yeah, I, that stuff can be a little tricky. So I want to make it pretty clear that yeah, not considered a heavier light heavyweight, but he has competed in those weights. Chris Levin never fought in Pride, huh? <laughs> Try to think. No, that would be uh, cool. He would have done well. That'd been fun for everybody. Fuck, we're getting our asses kicked. What was the name of that guy? Oh, that guy? No, that guy was too small. I was thinking Mac Danzig for a second, but he, mm. but yeah, he, he didn't. He did fight in Pride, but he, I don't know if he fought past a hundred. Also, I don't know if a winning tough counts as winning anything. Yeah, I don't. I wouldn't consider that a championship. That's like a competition. <laughs> What do uh, we got, boys? We got 10 left. You, you got some wiggling room still. Yeah, I mean, I'm still thinking, Bobby. If you got something, yeah. go for it. Um, let me think. Jesus Christ. And he's an American, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's been determined. All right, so not not you know, not Igor Bochanson. That's good to know. <laughs> you not Bochanson out? Definitely not. How big was Guy Metzger? Stefan? I think he was a middleweight. Middleweight or welter? Was this person ever associated with the Lions Den? Uh, no, no, okay. not to my knowledge. No that might have been. That was a that was a that was a waste of a question. Yeah. Mezger was more two hundred five. I don't want to give those clues out as freely, you know. And if it was Mezger, that King of Pancrase would have been a good. Uh... What about Steph? What about um, Jeremy Horn? That's kind of the only guy that's on the tip of my tongue. I don't remember. He he was never a champion, right? I don't believe so. No. So I will. I'll get to that with. Was he on the U in the UFC Dreamcast game? No, no. 
It's not Jeremy Horn, then. I didn't know he was even that fucking game. All right. I mean, the problem with the the, 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 you know the you know the problem with this game is that silence. <laughs> yeah, you got to think it out, talk it out. We we need to have a jingle going forward that just kind of gives some ambient background music while we're That's going true. through. This. Background music would not be bad. I mean, maybe think outside of the box of how you would associate different fighters, right? Yeah. Okay. I mean, Nothing. Mike did. Hey, Mike picked. Is he fat guy? Right. Usually, don't think is 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 the fighter a fat guy. That can that can really cut through. What kind of style is he? What does he look like? This guy has fought in the UFC. He's fought been... in the UFC. He's fought in Pride. There are only some a title in either of those organizations. There are only so many Pride events too. Like I'm trying to just go through my head what I've seen. I would say like he fought in Pride, but he wasn't. You know, a mainstay. I mean, a lot of people fought in Pride. That's yeah. the problem. A lot of people had like one or two fights in the course of that thing. Has the person ever competed for a UFC championship? Uh, no. Damn it. That would have been that. That's how. That's the only reason I got to Matt Lindlin last time. <laughs> There's only so many people fighting for that title. That was a deep cut, though. He fought for like middleweight before. You know, UFC was big, so it's, it's a tough clue to get. All my memories at this point, Stefan, of like middleweights and lightweights, light heavyweights from that time are like them getting smashed by Rich Franklin, Tito Ortiz, and Chuck Liddell. Okay. And stuff. Well, what if I give you a juicy tip here? No. How many questions All are right. we at? All right. You got, you're at 13. Let's, let us just fail. Yeah. If you don't want to take the juicy tip, then get these fucking questions out. All right. Um, they bald? No. All right, they have hair stuff on. Did that help you on any level? No. Are they white, Mark? Yes. So, white guy with hair, decent sized man. Middleweight, light guy with hair, fought in Pride, fought in UFC, didn't hold titles in either, didn't even fight for titles. Yeah, Stefan, it's your turn. <laughs> I'm not sure what I'm using to measure this. What are you just talking about? I, I just figured out he was a white guy. <laughs> um, is he a jujitsu guy? Uh, yeah, I would say jujitsu submission wrestling is his mainstay. Shit. How big was Dean Lister, Steph? Fuck, I can't tell you that. I barely remember Dean Lister. He was a heavyweight. He's a big. He definitely got fat. He's bigger than me. I yeah, could be wrong. Yeah. Did Dean Lister compete? I mean, he's old enough to, I guess. Um, I think I know him for a reason. I just can't just be they hung out with Tito all this time and I know him. Um, how about like uh, if if hey, if you got a, if you got a whiff of something, Bobby, ask a question that'll confirm or deny that guy. Did Ron Waterman have hair? Ron Waterman had hair, huh? Yeah, it, it, Ron Waterman and Bobby did not have hair. He did not, so he's not no, Ron Waterman. He was like a kind of Goldbergish before Goldberg. <laughs> There's no way Ron Waterman ever made lightweight or uh, middleweight. That dude was bulk as fuck. Dude, I'm just throwing shit. I don't even know anymore. I'm trying to think. Okay. 
Stefan, we gotta we gotta come up with something. This is the podcast is dying a slow death right now. You guys got uh, yeah, I, Bobby. I said you had a scent of something. I thought it was Ron Waterman. That was my scent. I thought your scent was Dean Lister. That he uh, Dean Lister's too big. I thought. I don't know how big he is. Did this person ever train Tito Ortiz? Yeah, he trained Tito Ortiz. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> was it fucking oh my god okay is this is that how we're gonna get this okay um is it oh do i just ask it i don't know what else, i don't know how else to get to narrow it down with dean lister if you're confident yeah, I mean, in your lister pick go for it but if you want to you still got okay who else trained tito um that fought in the ufc tiki tiki's too small yeah tiki was like a lightweight yeah rico rodrigo was too big um, Kendall Grove was smaller. Trained, trained with him, not with him. Him. yeah. Perillo never fought. Okay, that's it. Uh, is it Dean Lister? Yeah, it's Dean Lister. Thank you, God. <laughs> <laughs> that was, dude, you, okay. There was no equation if Mike was here that he was going to get anywhere near that one. Just want to point that out. No, but, but what Mike's good at is, like I said, he asked a weird question, like, is the dude fat? And that can get you... It gets you out of your mindset. That's what Mike. Okay, well let's uh, let's let's give people an idea of who Dean Lister was. Yeah, Dean so- Lister is a goddamn grappling wizard who had not been tapped out by anybody in like fifteen years, and he recently it was like a year ago where they did a, they did um what's it called he got tapped at Metamoris. Josh Barnett tapped him out. In fairness, Josh Barnett is way bigger than him, way way bigger than him. Dean Lister was famously a coach for Tito Ortiz, as we mentioned. Um. Wasn't the most didn't have the greatest career, you know, in terms of wins and losses, but a guy that was really high, highly respected for really what he brought to the grappling realm, right, Marcus? Yeah, yeah. I mean, his biggest successes were he he did hold a, a, a the middleweight championship in King of the Cage and defended it a couple times, not against anyone that you would know, right? Um, and then he fought Jeremy. I mean, really, um, you guys might know he fought Jeremy Horn uh, for the light heavyweight championship. He lost that. He had a three fight stint in Pride where um, he beat. One of our Hall of Great alum, Akira Soji, <laughs> but also lost to Ricardo Arona and some Russian guy. Um, he had a decent stint in the UFC. Um, really, I think he had six fights. He lost two, won four, um, getting a win back against Jeremy Horn. Um, he lost to Nate Marquardt on points. He lost to Okami on points. Um, after the Okami lost in 08, he had a couple more. Um, he had a fight in uh, MFC, which he lost to Talos Latis. Then he had two more wins against no-name guys getting uh, inverted heel hooks. Um, but mainly, like Bobby said, um, still doing the grappling thing. Um, it looks like his last... It looks like 2015 was the last year he competed. But yeah, mostly known for great wrestling. Um, and he always reminded me a lot of uh, Jake Shields. I get these two guys mixed up all the time because uh, they have similar styles. No knockout power. Um, but yeah, good. I mean, I thought this was a tough one and definitely halfway through, I was like, yeah, they're not going to navigate their way to, well, I, dude, I was just, I, yeah, I mean, I shouldn't look stuff up, but I was literally just looking, looking up like names of people at this point. I'm like, who's ever fought in the fucking UFC and pride. I'm looking up, like looking at pride events. I'm like Dean Lister, maybe <laughs> Dean Lister. Dean Lister's the boy. Dean right, Lister's got the man. 17. If we're right. going to be using the internet, I might get a little trickier then. Well, that, that was just, okay. Well, I wasn't, you know. I don't blame you because if I would have been. Well, the thing about it is, like, it's like it's not that easy with the internet. That took a long time. So, um, all right. Um, I think I think that's it. Right, let's do stuff we like yep. and uh, call today.
Um, Mark, you want to start? Uh, yeah, I um, this last week I was on vacay, so I actually had a lot of free time to check some stuff out, and I dug a couple of different things. Um, I watched, we watched, me and uh, Christine, my fiance, we watched the first episode of Making It. That is the new reality competition show with Amy Poehler and um, Nick Offerman, and I really enjoyed it. Um, I don't really watch a ton of reality TV, um, and this is one of those kind of, uh, you know, uh, competition based, but the competition is making crafts. So they, they brought in a bunch of people that are either good with woodworking or different craft skill sets, which I'm not really familiar with. But uh, overall, the show is just really fun loving. Obviously, with Amy and Nick, they have a great rapport with each other. Uh, that comes over in the show a lot. And um, what I kind of disliked about the show was that it is a competition show. I mean, they have these really just honest fun loving people and you're kind of making them compete against each other and someone's getting eliminated it's just like i don't this doesn't really jive with the show like the the show is very jolly there's tons of crafting puns it's all very fun and lighthearted. and then to have a point where they're kind of like neg negatively critiquing some of the work and then ultimately kicking people off the show um it doesn't really jive with the rest of it but i think that's just reality tv you have to have a competition to raise the stakes to get people interested in the show to see the show progress um but it's really fun there's only been one episode so far i think when you guys are listening to this the second episode will be dropping i think it airs on tuesday so i've been enjoying that uh another thing that i gave a shot because bobby recommended it um up up down down which is xavier woods popular video game channel had started doing a D, &D campaign with um ember moon oh there's that one white guy she's a dungeon master isn't she right she's the she's the dm right no or, no they have, they have some white guy that's dming i don't know what his, yeah, they, his affiliation is they do have prince pretty on there though you're right tyler breeze tyler breeze and then there's another um african-american guy and i didn't recognize him he's like dreads he's, that's uh that, that guy's on nxt he's not really done anything yet though. okay okay that's brandon, uh, Bra seen... brandon williams yeah he looked like a wrestler but i hadn't i didn't recognize him at all um and i'll say this like um they're obviously kind of new to D&D &D and they're filling it out and it is fun. What I really liked about the show is uh, there's a lot of production value. Um, I watch a couple of D&D uh, &D games being played and um, a lot of times they're, sh uh, they're shot live and then there's not really a lot of production put in after the fact. But uh, not this. This is a well-produced show. They have different segments. Like when you're uh, playing D&D, &D, there's these things called advantage and disadvantage where you actually get a role. 2d20s and you have an advantage you take the higher if you have a disadvantage you take the lower of the two and what they do is they have these two giant uh, d20 pillows and they go to a special part of the room and throw them so it's just like they have little fun things to kind of mix it up um i only watched the first episode it was enjoyable they're only an hour long so not a huge time commitment um but i did enjoy it um probably the show or the thing that i'd recommend the most this week that i've really gotten into is um comedians in cars getting coffee which is jerry seinfeld's originally his youtube show which got bought up by netflix um i've always heard good things about it and i think bobby or even mike maybe stefan um had mentioned it on this show before um it's just one of those things that you see on netflix always get recommended and i was just like oh fuck it i'll give it a shot they're short episodes and what i really like about them is obviously jerry's passion for vehicles comes through in the beginning of the show he kind of breaks down the car that he's going to be driving he tells you the year kind of the backstory of the car you can just tell that he's really impassioned um with old classic automobiles and then the rest of the show is, is really just two funny people 
most of the time it's comedians. There's been a couple actors, and I think the show kind of dips a little bit um, when they don't have that kind of comedic stance. But it's really just kind of two comedians trying to like outdo each other and just have a good time. And it's it's an addicting show, and I think it helps that it's short, it's cut and produced really well. So when you get done with one, you're like, I can go for another one. Give me one more. It's 12 to 15 minutes long. They're super easy to digest, and they're just really fun to watch. Um, yeah, it, it, likewise, I also, um, we watched Kong Island. That was a fun action flick. And, um, game wise, there's a really terrific, um, roguelike Metroidvania type game coming out, uh, today when you guys are listening to this called Dead Cells. It's coming out on PS4, Switch, Xbox One, and PC. It's been on early access for PC for, I don't know, about like six months or so. Um, it's finally getting its full release. Uh, reviews came out today fucking killing it i think it has a 90 on metacritic i think ign gave it a 9.7 everything i've heard of has been rave reviews so if you kind of like those platforming uh, action combat-y kind of games uh, dead cells might be right up your alley um chasm which i mentioned last week i've been playing a lot of and really enjoying it so yeah that's the stuff i like this week um not sure i mean you saw some up up down down but there's a new show within up up down down called um that uh, aj styles hosts which he goes to retro video game shops I, i've seen it pop up i haven't watched one yet but i yeah because i like that stuff a lot yeah he's uh he's this is he's put out a second episode today first episode was somewhere in i believe georgia which is where he lives he went name of the segment name of the show is called retro styles which appreciate the name yeah. right there Good uh name. he went though to super potato for episode two okay which, uh, i did see yeah. xavier and i don't know if aj was no it was it was, it was xavier in uh samoa joe and i think the big muscle guy. I can't remember which one, what his name is. Which muscle guy? Which one? The one that <laughs> hangs with Xavier. He's part of the crew. Big E. Yeah. Oh, Big E. Big E. Yeah. Uh, I love me some Big E. Um, yeah, but uh, they, they don't. That's uh, Styles went there and talked about how he doesn't want to buy a Jaguar again because I guess he got his got his stolen. His Atari Jaguar. He's like, it's not a good system. Yeah, shouldn't have bought it in the it, first place. But, but I want it. So don't want to spoil you, spoil you, but it's pretty good. And he goes through all the school shit at Super Potato. We've been there before. It's this, um, it's this shop on the third or fourth floor of this building in Akihabara. In uh, I didn't say that right, Akihabara in Tokyo. And um, Mark did a good amount of damage there, I'd say. Um, yeah. In retrospect, the one thing I really liked, Bob, and you kept egging me on to buy more of them, and I was like, nah, I don't need to buy. Them. Is those little Street Fighter Two busts? It's just a, it's a small bus of the Street Fighter 2 characters, and it's their losing uh, faces. So when you lose in Street Fighter 2, the, the characters all busted up and bleeding. And I always loved that in Street Fighter 2. And I bought three of them. And Paul's like, man, just, just buy more of them. And they're blind boxes, so you never know what you're going to get. And I bought three of them. I got Ryu Ken, which was fucking awesome. I got Dal, uh, Dalzim, which is all right. But uh, after that, I was like, you know, I can probably find this stuff. I didn't know it was only sold in Japan. Because then I went to Amazon. I was like, I can probably find this on Amazon. It's like 20 bucks for one box, and you don't know who's going to come in. And I was like, oh, fuck. I fucked up. I should have went. You know, you you, you should have. Oh, I was going to say, you send Mike over there. Then Mike has to ship it to you. It's a whole to-do. Oh, that's a good point. Nah, I'm not going to make Mike do that. But that was one of the – I mean, and obviously, they it's it's a retro game store from Japan. So everything's in Japanese. Um, I ended up getting a Super Famicom and a bunch of games. And honestly, I, I, pl I plugged in the Famicom. I played the baseball game once. And I haven't touched it again, but the God honest truth is when I see it next to my TV, it just makes me feel happy. I just see that beautiful, slick design Super Famicom, and I'm just like, 
yeah, that's mine. I, 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 I don't play it often. I can't understand what the fuck I'm playing on it, but it just makes me happy to look at it. Stefan, what do you got this week, man? Um, yeah, um, Mark had probably mentioned it last week. I don't remember anymore. No, I but, didn't. Uh, I didn't even mention it now, too. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, one of the big esports events that we enjoy annually was this past weekend, Evo uh, Fighting Championship. It's basically the big giant esports uh, convention in Vegas for all the top fighting games. Uh, this year, Dragon Ball Fighters was the most popular game by far, and it was its first year, so I was really excited to watch that. Um, yeah, you know, just watching some of the top fighting game players duke it out, crown a champion tournament. Um, that was pretty fun. It's, it's a fun game. It, it translates pretty well in terms... It, it, it fits right there with all the other fighting games, all of the old Marvel versus Capcom games, which used to be had precedent there, but now not so much. Uh, so that was fun. Um, and then the other thing is just my recommendation is... So my favorite YouTube channel is called uh, Wisecrack. Um, I love how they do these deep dives uh, on a lot of pop culture that I enjoy. They do the philosophy of, and they really break it down. It's a, uh, basically it's a in highly intelligent, really like analytical breakdown of like the things that actually expire the ideas in Rick and Morty, uh, you know, various superhero movies. And like they go in, they teach you about the actual philosophers where these whole concept of what's right and wrong come from. So I find it really educational, but I got, uh, what's it called? Um, I ended up binge watching a mini series they do on their channel called Earthling Cinema, and I've seen a bunch of them every now and then. Um, what Earthling Cinema is is each video is about seven minutes long, so they're super digestible. But um, they kind of give this breakdown and like critical review and analysis of uh, you know big relevant movies in history from the vantage point of an alien race after humanity has gone extinct. So they have like recurring gags, the way they mispronounce things or they misclassify a dog as a horse. It's a lot of little like dumb humorous things like that. And so there's a lot of kind of random satire poking fun at just like the human species. But then it always goes back into like, you know, a minute or two of real actual analysis, like Forrest Gump as the unreliable narrator in his stories. And it's like it gives you new angles to like look at things. You know, uh, I've seen Pulp Fiction a million times, but some of the details they bring out in their analysis. I'm like, oh, I never considered that, actually, or I never put those two things necessarily together. Um, it's just a very fun series, and again, at seven minutes each, it's so easy to just let that playlist like keep going through. That that channel sounded really cool. I started looking it up, and uh, but then you ruined it when you just said Forrest Gump is an unreliable narrator. It just ruined that movie for me. I was like, fuck, that guy just made all that shit up, huh? There's no way he could have done all that shit. <laughs> That blew my mind and ruined that movie. So fuck you, Wisecrack. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's like that. It's like they pointed out, like, when he tells the, his stories, he's wearing the same clothing as an adult as he is as a child. And you're just like, or he's like, is he getting people mixed up now? Like, oh you're remembering timelines. Just ruined Forrest Gump. I, don't, I can't watch any of their videos. I'm ruined Pulp Fiction for me, too. Good job. Um... Yeah, why uh wisecracks, you said, right? Yeah, wisecrack. Uh their logo is a like a donkey as a knight chess piece with a monocle because as they say, they're just a bunch of smart asses. Nice. Right on. Um all right, uh, I'm going to I this is my role in this show is to talk about random wrestling, but um this made me um this made me smile a little bit. Uh 
the, I've mentioned a bunch of times that the Young Bucks and Cody Rhodes are doing their own super indie, indie show on September 1st called All In. Made reference mostly to it because everybody assumed CM Punk was going to be involved somehow, which he will be. He's not going to wrestle, but he's going to be doing an autograph signing and all that. But um, So uh, people might be aware of this, uh, know who Stephen Amell is. Stephen Amell, uh, he plays uh, the Green Arrow on the CW series. Big wrestling fan, uh, hangs out with the Young Bucks, has had Cody Rose on the show, actually wrestled um, at SummerSlam in like a celebrity match. Um, Stephen Amell is going to go, uh, he's going to wrestle a one-on-one match, and it's going to go against uh, uh, Fallen Angel Christopher Daniels, which it's a guy that's been doing this a long time and will take care of him, and it's just, I don't know, props, man, that he's doing it, made me happy. I like that he's a fan and he's doing all this shit and he's getting these, getting these guys all this publicity, so... So Green Arrow's all in. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, yeah, um, I really got anything else. Um, it was a rough week, so I don't really got anything, to be honest. Um, we'll be back next week. Uh, we're going to talk about oh, something. I was going to say, something. I'm waiting for what you're going to say we're going to talk about next week. We have yeah, no card. Uh, we'll see what happens, buddy. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be properly jet-lagged. It'll be great. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna sort that out. Um, no mic next week, but we'll something will happen. Uh, we, we, at some Connor and Habib will blow up in the next week. Something will happen. You know they'll Connor will throw a you know a, a regular we'll, like a we're gonna a, fill an hour. Don't yeah. worry. Regardless if nothing fucking happens, we're gonna fill a fucking Mark, hour. There was part of me at some point where Mark was talking, and I was like, I wonder if he's talking about Matt Hume. And then I'm like, Did Matt Hume ever fight in the UFC? I don't think so. And I wasn't sure. Has he? I mean, for all we know, by next week, a president will pick a fight with another athlete. And why can't that athlete be a fighter? Who knows? <sighs> oh, God. Jesus Christ. That was terrible. <sighs> all right, guys. Um, thank you guys all for listening. Uh, really, really appreciate it. Visit us on Twitter uh, at It's Amazing. You can uh, hit us up on Gmail. It's Amazing at gmail.com. Um, give us a 20 questions, guy. So give us a 20 questions. Um, you can go to our Instagram account, which at this point is me just posting screenshots of, of tweets from oh, with, uh, with my funny comments on top of them. Super funny. I'm a goddamn you know comedian out there, boys. Um, but check us out um, on the It's M Amazing radio Instagram handle. Somebody else is, is sitting on It's M Amazing because I think her name is the initials MM. So she's talking about herself being M Amazing. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, you she fucked that. that. Our pun is so much better than your shitty uh, one. Get off the internet. Fucking die. Right? That's what we say. <laughs> We're a podcast on I the think... internet, right? We just tell people to fucking die that we don't know. As long as they're screwing up with our, uh, you know, SEO shit. We're trying to get exactly. paid out there, Mrs. MMA. You know what the fuck that means. Yeah, I'm sitting here talking about CW shows, man. Trying to justify everything I can. People We're trying need to, get to know paid. that the Green Arrow is going to have a professional wrestling match. Uh, yeah. stopping people. Exactly. People want to know. He's gonna. He's gonna hit him with somebody. Tell me what the Green Arrow does. Uh, sometimes he <laughs> shoots an arrow that has a big punching glove on it. That is. No, oh, that's what's coming. Finishes match. If he does, yeah, I'm going to be disappointed. I saw him. They hit the. Uh, he hit that somersault tombstone last time he did something in wrestling you know i've always wondered about that boxing glove arrow isn't in its nature a boxing glove padded why would you hit them with a padded punch as it's opposed to filled with ball bearings or some shit i mean i thought it's a loaded saying, glove it's a loaded thing, glove how does this thing fly through the air i don't care how strong your fucking bow is there's physics bitch i'm gonna i'm gonna put a picture of this thing in our group chat and let drunk sanchez figure out what's happening yeah, yeah. Um, piece it together. Uh, guys thank you all for listening as i mentioned back next week um i was dr law kid presentable was here 
DJ Mark was here. Lavender Gooms was here for a hot minute too. He's eating some food. He's got some beer in him. You know, live good time Japan. for everybody. Dude, live from dude Japan. Robusted in with the crowd noise. Just yeah, exactly. Showed up, didn't even oh. say anything. Just a bunch of baseball Japanese game chatter in the background. Yeah. All right, guys. Uh, back next week. Thank you and peace out. See ya. Later. Later.